Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast All Things Music. My name is Peter Rohrbach and I'll be your host for today. We'll be talking about why listening to music is good for you and specifically how it can even improve your social network. Interesting stuff coming up, so stay tuned. promised you that we would look into the benefits of listening to music. Now we know from scientific experiments that yes, music can make you feel better, make you feel more happy, but I'm guessing that you're already well aware of the fact that music can boost your mood, at least for a short period of time, either because you've read about it or perhaps you've experienced it firsthand. No, I argue that listening to music can be good for your social network. A bold statement, but I will try to explain to you how this works in this podcast. If you've made it this far into the podcast, thank you for listening. I hope you will get something out of this and perhaps give you new ways to reflect on how you actually benefit from music in your daily life. And in the end, I have a tasteful treat for you, so make sure to be there for that. So here we go. To understand how music can be beneficial to our social life, we have to talk a bit about evolution. A researcher named Robin Dunbar has found a large correlation between the size of the neocortex in primates and the group size they live in. This correlation makes it possible to predict group size of primates based on the size of their neocortex. And this is called the social brain hypothesis or social brain theory. So basically, bigger brain means bigger groups, which makes sense because keeping track of everyone in your group takes its toll on your brain. For instance, the primates bonobos, they have smaller brains than us and they live in groups of about 50, a moderate group size. So 50 relations is about what they can handle cognitively what their brains can handle. For the survival of a species, it is important to be able to rely on others in your group and to trust them. You need others for protection and gathering enough food, for example. And primates use grooming to keep informed about others in their group. Cleaning each other, they bond and also keep an eye on the social structure. You know, who is getting along with whom. It's a pretty time-consuming way, of course, to use grooming to manage your social life, but that's alright, they only live in a group with 50. Enough time to groom everyone, no problem. For humans, however, this is different. Our brains kept growing and so did our group size. And soon the groups became too large to only use one-on-one touch to bond and keep track of everyone in the group. So quicker ways to bond had to emerge. And it's very probable that laughter and storytelling played a role here because this could be done in way bigger groups than grooming. Even fire can be seen as such a bonding tool because it made our days longer so we had more time to socialize. This is nice and all, but what does it have to do with music? We're getting there. I already mentioned that according to this correlation between brain size and group size, bonobos are predicted to have groups of around 50, and this seems to reflect reality. 
For humans, the group size, based on our brain size, is predicted to be 150. So our brains should be able to handle about 150 active relations. And some research seems to suggest that this number is actually quite accurate. Uh, if we look at, for instance, a typical African tribe, a Neolithic farming village, an average Christmas card list, uh, a tactical unit for Roman legions, the average number of active Facebook friends, and the number of stable Twitter relations, they all are approximately 150. But nowadays, we definitely went beyond this number of 150. Look at our modern society and the cities we live in. Definitely bigger groups than 150. So now, laughter and storytelling are still not enough to keep informed about everyone in our group. The groups are just too large. And this is where music comes in. Music can facilitate bonding in huge groups at once. People can dance and sing together, and these activities help us to manage our social networks. We bond with our group, which enhances our trust and ultimately our chances for survival. Indeed, singing and dancing have profound effects on bonding that go above and beyond just spending time together. So we bond quicker when we sing and dance together. Isn't that cool? We bond quicker when we make music or sing or dance together. And it might just be that this is in part because it helped us survive way back when. Because music helps us to be closer as a group so that we could work together more efficiently. I think that's beautiful. So far we've talked about being actively engaged with music, such as making music, dancing and singing. But what about passively listening to music? Does this have any effect on bonding or managing our social life? Well, I found a research article that actually investigated this. And what the researchers did was they compared two groups where every time two people participated in a cooperative task. In one group, music played on the background while participants did the cooperative task. In the other group, there was no music. So afterwards, the researchers were able to see if participants liked each other better when music played on the background compared to participants who did not hear music. And they could also see if participants cooperated more in the task. So what were the results? People did not express they liked the other person better when music played on the background and they also did not cooperate more during the task. In that sense, listening to music did not seem to facilitate bonding or cooperation. However, people who listened to music during the co cooperative task did feel more merged with the other and they also felt more equal to others. And the researchers interpret this by saying that passively listening to music did not increase explicit feelings or behaviors that indicate bonding, but it does create an atmosphere for bonding because we feel more open to others and merged with them. A feeling of unity, perhaps. Let's summarize for a bit. We've talked about how, from an evolutionary perspective, bonding and keeping track of individuals within a group is beneficial for survival. 
We've also seen that there seems to be a relation between brain size and group size in primates. Our brains are pretty big, so cognitively we should be able to maintain about 150 relationships. But human groups quickly became so large that we had a hard time processing all the social information. We needed tools to bond quickly, quicker than, say, grooming and storytelling. And music can be viewed as such a tool to help us bond quicker. And research has shown that this might indeed be the case when looking at singing, dancing, and making music together. Those activities help us bond more quickly than when we would just converse with one another. Passively listening to music seems to have a less explicit effect on bonding, but makes us feel more open and similar to others. All in all, it seems that music does not only help us shape our identity or elevate our mood, but it is also a tool to bond quickly with others and help to make sense of these huge social networks that we live in. So there you have it, folks. One benefit of listening to music that you might not yet have been aware of. So make sure there is some music playing in the background when you're bonding with your friends, are on a date, or when you're in a team building exercise with your colleagues. So that's it for this episode. I hope you found it educational and enjoyable. And to conclude, I asked my brother, who is among other things a writer and musician, how music can change his mood. And I didn't want to keep the answer from you because it was beautiful. Perhaps you will recognize it. I know I do. So sit back and enjoy. And I hope to catch you in the next podcast. Bye-bye. Perhaps you are restless. Perhaps the weather is oppressive. Perhaps you are wrestling with depression. Perhaps the process of getting a PhD is overwhelming. You need to separate your notebook from your TV. But they are the same thing, and the live stream of that lecture is on YouTube. Your tube, your tunnel of vision, your tunnel vision, your life constricted to a room as the edges of working and living blur together to a singular condition. You drink your tea and eat your meals while the cursor blinks at you, urging you to write a line you haven't thought of yet. And when you finish drinking, the screen is still empty, the vertical line is still blinking. Now your history is saved in a directory as you browse for answers and then nothing in particular in a perpendicular direction to the thing you should be doing and the dissonance intensifies. Finally, you decide you've been hard enough on yourself. You decide to go outside. You decide to take the awful weather in your stride. You decide to put on music. The first chords roll in, mingling with the rushing of the rain, and each chord separates the layers of your inner plane. Each chord paints colors into the gray matter of your brain. Each chord makes the world around you come alive, and each chord widens the smile on your face, electrolyzing your congealed emotions. And you start to recognize the core components, how you are your own proponent. You own the moment, and you know your own potential and how to bring it out, without a doubt.